0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Amen. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. This morning, we're going to be in the most dissected parable in all of the Bible. Fights have been Waged over this particular portion of scripture, and debates have gone on and on. But but we're going to dig in today, and uh, though we we've covered the the subject before in, in small measure, we have never dug into it the way we're going to dig into it today. But let's get right in, into the word Luke 16 and verse 19. Jesus is speaking. He said there was a certain rich man. I want you to notice right out of the gate that the rich man remained nameless throughout. When you boil it all down, if God doesn't know your name, anyone else knowing your name really doesn't matter. It's pointless. And this rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen. These were the garments of a prince, the garments of a noble, certainly a very, very wealthy individual. The the issue, though, is he, he looked great on the outside, but when you looked into his eyes, emptiness and vacancy just stared right back at you. You see, a genuine smile will always be the most attractive curve on a woman, but also a man's best use of the muscles in his face are that same smile. And he fared sumptuously every day. So he ate well, he drank well, he lived well. The problem in this narrative though, was not that this man was was rich. See, the, the, the problem was this man had everything he wanted, everything a man could want, except a heart. How many are old enough to remember? Right. <laughs> so, so we're introduced to this nameless man, and then the introduction to the beggar begins with a but meaning that, you know, most folks would just focus on the man we began to discuss. But God wants to shift the emphasis here. But there was a certain beggar, a man with nothing, from nowhere, an absolute nobody in that culture in time. But then it says, he was named Lazarus. You see, the fact that Jesus used this man's name, let us know that this is not just a parable. In parables, Jesus didn't use people's names. In fact, when we dig in a little bit, we'll discover that the only thing that this poor man had going for him was the fact that God knew his name. You see, Satan knows my name, but he calls me by my sins. God knows my sins, but he called me by my name. He's a good God. His name was Lazarus, meaning God is my help. So despite his circumstances, this man still knew where his help came from. And here's the deal. If God does not resolve your issue by next week, next year, or maybe uh, 10 years, maybe the rest of your life, I want you to realize something. God is not in a rush. He has all eternity to reward us for our pain. See, see, we're like, Lord, if, it's really, if you're really God, you'll fit. God's like, I got, I got, listen, we got forever to work this thing out. God doesn't look at it the way you and I do. And this Lazarus was full of sores. The Bible says he was laid. The language implies that he was thrown down there forcefully, roughly, at the gate. So we see a picture of one man covered with the finest clothes and the other man completely covered from head to toe with ulcers. And this is important, though, the thrust and point of, of, of this parable is not that every poor person is going to heaven. And it's not that every rich person is necessarily going to hell. But the point is, when we live like only this life matters, we are playing with fire. You know, nowadays people, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, you know, in, in polite conversations, you know, people are talking about the rich, the rich and how bad they are. But we don't realize I, I have had the privilege of traveling around the globe. and Some of the most poor people in the United States of America don't compare to, to the real poor in the world. By the world. Stand, see, God looks at seven billion people. We, we look at America. And when he looks at all of us, we're rich. So if God hates the rich, all of us are in trouble. You say, well, I'm not rich. Well, you know what? You got out of your house and you were able to walk down a sidewalk. I know some place. There ain't no sidewalk. I know places where streetlights don't come on. I know places where you can have a Mercedes, but there's a dirt road you're going to take to get to your house. I know some places where, 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 yes, they do have toilets and, and the rest, but the water don't come on for three or four days at a time. So I know you think you're from the hood. But I'm here to tell you most of us are not. He lied there, Lazarus. Desiring to be fed. I support the needy. We support the needy. We we advocate for the needy. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell me to support the lazy. Stay with me. I'm going to hurt you, then help you. (laughs) Jesus is clear in this situation. Lazarus was not in a situation because he would not work, but because he could not work. And 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 that's the reason why he was at this man's gate, and this was the reason his situation needed to be tended to. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Now here's the deal: the poor man wasn't asking for a whole lot. He he really wasn't asking for much. All he wanted was bread. And here's the deal: at this point in history, they didn't have napkins. And what what they would do is the rich, after they ate, they'd wipe their hands with the bread, and then they throw that bread under the table. And then after all, you know, everyone ate and everyone got up from the table, the servants would go in, and they sweep up all the bread, and then they take it to the de- the gate, and throw the bread to the street dogs. So what we see here is that Lazarus lived a life fighting dogs to eat dog food. This was the life of Lazarus. But then we see this contrast. It says, but over, the dogs came and licked his sores. The scavenging dogs showed more mercy than the rich man. Again, it was not the rich man's wealth that made him sinful. It was his selfishness that did. Still with me? <laughs> so it was. Great equalizer was about to happen. The beggar died no matter our economic or our social status, each of us have an appointment with our eternal destiny. But watch this, the beggar's death ended his pain. It was over, but when the rich man died, his pain only began. So it was the beggar died and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. This is the man that wasn't given a funeral. This is a man without chauffeur. This is a man without servants, without attendants. He was escorted to glory by God's most esteemed and powerful creatures outside of man. You say it may not happen in your lifetime, but God will turn it around. He will turn it around. Yes. Then it says. The rich man also died, but he was buried. He was given an honorable and well-attended funeral here. But here's the question. What does it profit us to be set for life but not prepared for eternity? The question Jesus is asking across time today it's when you finally lay down, how will you get up? Verse 23, the controversy begins. And being in torment in Hades or hell. Does anyone other than myself think that maybe Jesus might just know a little bit about what he's talking about? (laughs) Maybe the guy who came from heaven down might have an idea. Oh, uh, about what goes on beyond what our senses can see, smell, taste. Or hear. And being in torments, plural. Meaning it wasn't just a singular Problem, a singular tormenting issue. Being in torments, where? In Hades. The first thing I need you to notice, and by the way, who's speaking here? Not the bishop. Jesus, no. Bishop might get it wrong, but Jesus got it right. First thing I need you to see is that this man went directly to his eternal destiny without sleeping without any, any delay. He goes directly where he's going. Second, I need you to notice that despite, uh, you know, the jokes the comedians make about how fun hell's going to be. And, you know, I want to go there to be with my friends and all that. Jesus didn't think that was funny because he called it a place of torment. Third, this is really important. Notice the rich man didn't have to do something to go to hell. He just did nothing. You don't have to do anything special (laughs) to go straight to hell. According to Jesus, all you have to do is nothing Then it says he lifted up his eyes and we see here that the man's spirit was able to see without his body your, your, your physical eyes are not the only apparatus of sight and, and the reality is the reason we don't really see with our spirits because we're so preoccupied with our eyes that's why Jesus said, you know what, I want you all to start walking by faith instead of by sight. I want you to start seeing with a different set of eyes. Now, with my material eyes, I can see things. But what's amazing is when I lay my body down, I'll no longer be encumbered by that. I'll no longer be limited by what I naturally see. Because in the spirit, my spirit will see more clearly than I ever had in my life. Well, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man here was not only self-conscious, but self-aware. And not only was he aware of himself, he could identify others, meaning we will know each other in the life to come. And without pressing the the details of, of this parable too hard, What Jesus is saying is that death has two realms, a place of punishment and a place of reward. He said, well, Bishop, I don't know about all that. Okay. So when you're thinking everyone's going to go to heaven, think about this. Adolf Hitler's going to heaven. Mussolini's going to heaven. Jeffrey Dahmer's going to heaven. As soon as those people go to heaven, heaven becomes hell. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You say, well, no, no. God will let everybody in, but everybody will be good against their will. So what you're saying in heaven, everybody's fake. Meaning you want to kill somebody, but you don't kill somebody. But if you know the Bible, you know Jesus' major fight was with the hypocrites, That's right. people who acted. Yes. So you're saying heaven is a place where God forces you to be good. That sounds like totalitarianism. that that sounds like a brutal place to be. It doesn't sound like a free place. So the only way heaven can be heaven is for people who have a new nature. Yes. Yes. People do not go to heaven or hell because they, they go to bad. It has everything to do with our nature. Yes. If you don't get God's nature, That's right. That's right. you couldn't go to heaven and be true to your nature and be comfortable there. So God said, if you don't want to change your nature, I'm going to let you stay with all the folks that made a decision like yours. At some point, God has to stop the wicked from troubling. I know I've said this before. But if all of us just went there the way we are, we still have to lock our doors. There would still be war. So God in his wisdom appointed a time. He said, listen, I'll give each man life. And by the way, your life is just space to repent. It's just time to turn. I know, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but uh, let's get back to Jesus, lest you think I'm talking too much. But I will say this before I move on. The hell we face in this life is simply God trying to motivate us not to sign up forever. The hell you go through in your life is a gift. Imagine if everything was wonderful. You wouldn't know you need to change. We say, I'm going to let you experience just a little bit of that because when you feel it, I want you to turn to me. And, and if you turn to me, I can, I can snatch you from that thing. So, so all that hell you're complaining about is a gift. And the last thing we would want to do is make it permanent. Matthew 25 and 41. Before you get the wrong impression about God, may I show you something else that Jesus said. He said, then he will also say to those on his left hand, God's people placed on his right and the wicked on the left. He said, depart from me, you cursed. That's a heavy word into the everlasting flame prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, here's the question, Let's you read into the scripture. Who was hell originally prepared for? If any of us ever decide to go to hell, it's over God's dead body. I don't know if you heard what I said god does not send anyone to hell we send ourselves luke 16 24. then the rich man cried and said father abraham have mercy on me got all religious and everything and at first it would seem like he had a change of heart Until we read what he said next. He said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. You see, he still treated Lazarus like he was his slave. Like like Lazarus was supposed to serve him and like he was something and Lazarus was nothing. And Lazarus had to occupy his time trying to bless him. He said, send Lazarus for I am tormented in this flame sad thing is he was not sad about his neglect of Lazarus. He was only sad about his own pain. And there's a difference between being sorry you got caught and sad that you did it. Okay, I'm going to hug myself right now. Jesus is something, boy. He'll tell you. But Abraham said, son, God still love us. God love you in hell. But God respects you. And he respects your choice. It is not love for me to make you be with me. To make you act like you love me. That is not freedom. Jesus will not make you fit in his heaven. He will not make you lift up hands when everyone starts to praise and shout. That's tyranny, not love. He says, son, remember, probably the worst part of hell is a fact that we will remember. We'll have all eternity to think about what we did and didn't do in this life. He said, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. You see, the rich man's blessings didn't bring him to the Lord, but but neither did the poor man's poverty keep him from the Lord. It was not that this rich man had to do everything. It was that he ought to have done something. You see, what we do in this life will echo throughout eternity. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.